You are listening to Your First 100K, the number one podcast for Christian entrepreneurs, coaches, and business owners who want time freedom and financial freedom so that they can provide for their families, travel the world, and give back to the less fortunate. If that's you, then sit back and stay tuned in because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Joseph Warren. I started my first multi-million dollar business at age 19 and wasted away my 20s trying to find happiness through money, success, and pleasure. I made millions, but I still didn't feel happy or fulfilled until I learned the real secrets of success. So the big question is this, how can Christian entrepreneurs like us who didn't give up on our dreams build a highly profitable six to seven figure business without being unethical, doing it all ourselves and neglecting our family and our faith? Well, that is the question. And this podcast will give you the solutions and strategies you've been looking for. Thanks for spending time with me today. If you're new here, then welcome. I have a free 10-day training waiting for you over at first100k.com. Again, go to first100k.com to grab your free 10-day training. Today, my featured guest is Josh Tully. You can find him at joshtully.com, joshtully.com. And Josh, you know, he foregone the typical college education in order to build his business. Josh started getting noticed for his unique skill set. By the early 2000s, he was being asked to speak and write on topics, including business and politics. In 2010, he wrote his first book, Quit Your Job or Die, Startup Nation. Quit Your Job or Die. Shortly thereafter, in 2011, he launched his nationally syndicated talk show, The Josh Tully Show. And in 2015, followed that up with his best-selling book to date, Evangel... Preneur. Did I say that right? Evangel Preneur? You did, yeah. yeah All right. All right. So we got Josh Tully here, and I'm, I'm doing a quick mini bio just to intrigue you, Startup Nation. This guy has multiple successful businesses. We're going to get into his story of entrepreneurship. We're going to get into some of the head trash that he had to conquer in order to be successful, not just in his business, but in his life. So we're going to get into that conversation today. So stay tuned. Have your pen and paper out. You're going to take notes. I'm going to get Josh's top three tips and strategies for you, Startup Nation, on how to uh, get over that six-figure mark this year in your own business. All right. So Josh, welcome to your first 100K, top 100 podcast in entrepreneurship. Go ahead and just uh, fill in the gaps in that quick intro I did, okay? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I started my first business when I was 12, I was in middle school, found that that was actually kind of common. And there's a reason for that. And we can get to that later, maybe, but started my first business in middle school. But I, uh, I didn't know how to read. I was illiterate. I graduated high school, basically reading at a seven year old level. I was so shy that I couldn't order a hamburger from McDonald's until I was almost 20 years old. But I knew entrepreneurship was the way to go. So I started my first business and it failed. My second business failed. My third business, I started to get a little bit better at this thing. Uh, developed some patterns to get out of that, that clinical shyness and just kind of went for it. And I was never sold on a business. I was sold on business. You know, Jay-Z has this expression, I'm not a businessman, I'm a business man. 
so it was always business is the business that we do and uh, just kind of evolved from there. So I've been involved in a lot of different industries. I learned really early on, be the chairman of everything and the CEO of nothing. And just kind of developed that to where we are today with, I think, 12 uh, operating businesses. Had had dozens of them, but we kind of cycle through them. And that was part of the secret, I think, to the success too, not holding on to businesses once you have them. Okay. So be the chairman of everything, the CEO of nothing. What does that actually mean to you? Uh, that means my job is to be in charge of strategy and direction and opportunity. It's not to run the day-to-day -day operations of a business. What happens so many times is you have these people who get involved in a business, typically in something they know, like, or love, which are the three worst places to be in business. And it, it just captivates them. It just kind of keeps them held in a, in a position of constantly maintaining, constantly focused on what it is you do, and never really seeing what God has provided in terms of opportunities around you. If, if an entrepreneur can elevate themselves to chairman and realize that their job is really identifying opportunities, planning the strategy, and leading the people who are running those businesses, you can you can really rapidly grow a business empire without the mundane operational side and it's 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 really i think what keeps a lot of entrepreneurs from achieving more you know you look at people like rupert murdoch i think he's got 1500 companies or even jeff bezos it's over two dozen and you you think well how are they doing that it, there's no way jeff bezos is going into two two dozen offices but they've, they've accepted the mental concept of, I'm not supposed to run the business. I'm supposed to run business. All right. So right there, you literally just contradicted so many business gurus that say, mm -hmm. you got to do what you love doing, right? You got to follow your passion, follow the dream, and biblically, follow the desire God's put in your heart. Now, you just literally just threw that out. And you said, listen, yeah. there's a problem with that. The problem is you can be too emotionally attached, kind of like when you're infatuated with someone when you're dating them, right? And you're all in and, and you overlook like the red flags, for example, because you just see them one way. You're like, they're perfect. They're ideal. And, and you skip over all those red flags that God's showing you are warning signs like, hey, this needs to be corrected. You got to self-correct here. And I think what I'm hearing you say is it's the same thing in business. If you're too attached to your business in that relationship uh, and you're stuck in the day-to-day, -day, you're really missing um, just that uh, objectivity of stepping yep. back from the top in a chairman, chairwoman role and just assessing with no emotion, emotional attachment whatsoever, just like, hey, what's working? What's not working? What do I want to do about it? And who are the people I need in order to move that in that direction? Did I get that right? Or what do you want to add to that? No, that's 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 right. And what's interesting about that is a lot of people think, well, you know, I, I, I want a coffee shop because God has called me to have wonderful conversations with people. Well, there's a huge difference between God has called you to speak into the lives of people and God has called you into owning a coffee shop. Those are not the same thing. And if you notice, whenever God calls somebody to do something in the Bible, the person who's being called never wants to do it. From Genesis to Revelation, a God calling is something that none of them want to do. Even Jesus, 
prayed, hey, Father, if it be your will, this cup pass from me, let it be so. So I, I, I think too often we think, oh, well, God's calling me to own this business or whatever. My, my philosophy is I've met way too many, thousands of entrepreneurs who are suffering in a business that they know, like, or love because they think that's where God has called them to be. Meanwhile, if you think about it, the things you love are the things you pay the price to do, not that pay you. And time and time again, I see people who get into something they love and they end up hating what they love, including pastors. So many pastors have have one-on-one -on -one told me, man, if I didn't have to be here anymore, I wouldn't. Meanwhile, you have missionaries out in the field who make a million dollars a year as entrepreneurs and spend 300 days a year out there in the mission field who would never give it up ever. Why? Because it doesn't need to make money. It doesn't have to work. That's not how you're paying your bills. Uh, and it's not even just in a religious context. A friend of mine is a famous chef, multiple shows, multiple cookbooks. And when I met him, I was actually a guest on the cooking show. And he said, hey, do you want to come over for dinner later? And I said, sure. And we get there and he orders a pizza. He didn't even make the pizza. And I'm thankful for everything. But at the end of the, you know, the night, we got to know each other a little bit. And I said, oh, I got to ask, why do we order pizza? And he, he looks at me and goes, Josh, I hate food. I hate food. As soon as it had to work, the passion leaves. So my philosophy is, is what has God called you to do? And it's not specifically tied to a business. You never see an eight-year-old and you're like, hey, little dude, what do you want to be? I want to be a firefighter. Why? Because the dental plan and the 401k. Like, that's not, that's not why you do it. So I teach people. Let's start with the end at, in, in sight first. What's the overall objective? And if that's to, you know, work four hours a, a day so you can spend time as a monk, heaven forbid, like whatever it is, great. Then let's work that backwards. Because when you were a kid in school, the easiest way to do a maze was from finish to start, not from start to finish. So let's work it backwards and find one of 700 businesses that can make that a reality. Now, it doesn't matter which one of those 700 you're in, which means you're not going to be attached to it. You're not going to have to be limited by it. You are extremely flexible and shift with economic trends. And you can move wherever God tells you to move without being bogged down by a business that you know, like, or love. All right. So right now you're disrupting, like, the mental patterns of a lot of listeners right now <laughs> like you are because this is rubbing it's a contradiction to everything they've been taught everything so how do they get past that stickiness of how they've been conditioned like is this just a decision like after they listen to your show today they're just like that's it I am going to go into a business I don't like, I don't know, um, and I don't love. And I'm going to be the chairman or chairwoman. Like, what's that next step even look like for them? Uh, it depends on the person, right? So, so some people can quit the old mentality cold turkey. They can just quit and go like, dude, that actually makes sense. Peace, I'm out. Other people have to kind of work through that process. Because a belief is held in your subconscious and it's wrapped in an emotion. So anytime we poke a belief, we get an emotional reaction, right? 
So some people kind of have to work through this a bit. But the, the, the end outcome is still having the life that they love, not the business that they love. There's so many people who find their identity mm. in what they do. And that's the problem. I mean, let's just use a biblical reference. The, the rich young ruler. This dude comes up to Jesus and says, hey, what do I have to do to get into heaven? And Jesus immediately says, sell everything, right? No, they go through the religious list first. And as that as that rich young ruler says, check, 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 check. That's when Jesus goes, oh, dude, you're finding your identity in the wealth. He was like the Kim Kardashian of 3 BC, right? You're finding your identity in the wealth. Give up that identity and take on mine. Well, the same sort of thing is happening in, in business. You have these people who have been trained to be employees their entire life. They, they usually start a business, which is problem number one. They start a business typically doing what they did as a job. And then they work that business the same hours plus the management hours of being employed. I don't care how much you love being a plumber. If you love being a plumber more than you like being with your wife, being with your kids, traveling the world, you know, evangelizing to people, something's wrong with you. I mean, if, if, if this wasn't business, we would send you to a shrink. No joke. Because you're placing non-important stuff over the important stuff. My thought is, if, if, if you want to give one hour a day to your wife, two hours a day to, to your kids, an hour to God, then you're not going to be working a service-based business where you work an eight to 10 hour day. It's just not going to fit. So you need to find a better business that allows that to happen. And when that life happens, you're going to be happy and think, why would I ever want to be in a business I love? I own right now, at least I'm, I'm about to sell it, but I own right now the largest uh, birthing center in the state of Missouri. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a woman. I have no medical training. If, if, if I just focused on the things I knew, like, or love, there would be thousands of women who wouldn't have gotten the care that they needed because we can do things with benevolence that people who have to make it work for money can't. Hmm. This is powerful, dude. You're shifting rocks. You're shifting rocks in our head right now. And for some of us listening right now, we don't like it. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> I just tell people that, that, that feeling you get whenever I speak, because I, I get it when I'm on stage and I'm talking to the audience, they're expecting like another Insta expert or one of these sort of douche not sort of dudes. And I come in and just kick them in the gut. And it looks like I just peed in their Cheerios. Right. All the faces are like. And I'm like, you know, that feeling is just the pain of the lie leaving your body. You're going to be OK. <laughs> all right. So for all our listeners right now who are looking down at a bowl of Cheerios with pee in it now. <laughs> what is their very next step to take, in your opinion? Uh, their very next step is, I think, to, to train their mind to put logic-led emotion, not emotionally-led logic. What does that mean? If you can, um, what it means is, let's, let's, let's take emotion as a liquid, right? That's water. And we've become a very emotionally driven society, even the men. So we're all walking around the world, pouring our water onto everything, and it's just making a mess. And we pursue dreams and all this sort of stuff, and it never seems to work out. Well, logic would be the cup. No plug for Bucky's, but the, the cup. 
So the cup is logic. And now we can pour as much water in there as we can. And it has something useful. It has form and purpose. So I would say start making the conscious effort and the subconscious programming to start placing logic first in your decision making. And remind yourself, if it doesn't take you further towards your goal, it by default takes you further from your goal. Uh, somebody once told me, and this isn't theologically correct, but they told me 25 years ago, hell is dying and meeting the person you could have been. Every day of my life, I wake up hearing that in my head. And I, I realize that every decision I make takes me closer to or further from that objective. And it makes decision making a lot easier. Okay, Startup Nation, you either, right now, you either really like Josh Tully or you really dislike <laughs> this guy. Right. Like, this is polarizing conversation. This is what makes for really good speakers, by the way. Right? They cut the truth that they proclaim, which is God's truth. It cuts like a, a sword, right? Right down the middle. And you got to choose a side. There is no middle. Like, you're either going to recommit to the way you've been living, the way you've been doing business, even though maybe your logical brain is going, wait a second, I think this guy's got something, this makes sense. And you're like, no, no, emotionally, I'm too committed. I'm too far invested. I'm going to go back to this. Screw this guy. Or you're going to make a shift and go, I'm scared to jump to this other side. But darn it, this makes too much sense. And I have so much evidence already of it not working the way I've been doing it. Right. So look at the evidence, look at the evidence, right? And make a decision that's not emotional, make a logical decision. Okay. So Josh, easier said than done, brother. Easier said than yeah. done. How long did it take you to develop this uh, different way of looking at the world, looking at business? I mean, you didn't do this at 12 years old. You didn't do this by your third company. There's no way. How no, long did to be it honest, no, that, that's, that's kind of where this is probably why I'm, I'm socially awkward. It, it really did. It really did. I remember being 12 years old. I grew up poor. I even had a, a bit of a time where I was homeless. And I remember point blank, I had a well-intentioned teacher, the only teacher I actually remember the name of in my entire school career. He pulled me aside. He had a master's degree in education. I was 12 years old running an illegal gambling ring, but I didn't really have to talk to people because that sold itself in a sense. And he pulled me aside and he says, Josh, you really have to apply yourself to make something out of your life. And he's got a master's and he worked after school stocking shelves at the local Piggly Wiggly. And I looked dead in his eye and said, why? You have a master's degree in education, went to school for six years. And you still have to work at Piggly Wiggly after work too. I'm 12 and I already make more than you do. I won. And you you should have seen the, the like I, I repent for how mean that was, but his face just went ashen. Well, you peed in his Cheerios. I peed in his Cheerios. I have always, I've always had this, this logic first. This, I, I host a talk show in uh, some magazine or something uh, coined the term he's the Vulcan of talk radio because I don't care about the emotion emotion is where I, where my wife is where my friends are where my kids are when it comes to what works and what doesn't I don't care at all about emotion it either makes sense or doesn't 
And once you realize that that is true, and then once you realize everybody else on earth, with a very, very rare exception, understands that, it self-eliminates inferiority complexes and imposter syndromes. And Because what do you have to imposter? Imposter means you're pretending to be something else. Well, I would say that there's less than 1% of the planet that understands what you and I are talking about. So why would I be afraid of that? Like even that stuff became a logical decision. I started realizing really quickly, me being shy, me being self-doubting, me thinking, okay, I can't do this or I don't deserve it, are really all selfish emotions. It's selfish. Shyness and being afraid to pitch an idea is selfish because you're saying, I don't believe in myself enough to even give that person the opportunity to say no. I'm going to do it for them. How selfish is that? Just because you don't feel good? Put on your big boy pants and do it anyway. <laughs> All I'm the right. anti-motivational speaker speaker. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I remember going to a speaker. Uh, he's called the Pitbull of Self-Development. And I was watching him on stage. And, and he's like, I am the world's only irritational speaker. I need to irritate you enough to actually make you care and take action where you're avoiding it. And he was brilliant. And within five minutes, the audience hated him, hated him. And then within 15 to 20 minutes, they're in love with him and they're in the back of the room buying all his products because he did exactly the way you're doing. He just told it like it was and didn't care about their feelings. That doesn't mean he didn't care about them. He actually cared about them right. probably more than the gurus that were lying to them and telling them what they wanted to hear. Because he was really invested in their, their lasting success, not their short-term gain. And there was a very big distinction there, and I got to see that. Anyway, all right. So Startup Nation, choose a side. Listen, the decision you make right now is not as important as you making a decision right now. That's the key. Make a decision. Choose a side. Stop just blowing whichever way the wind goes in your life. This is where all your stress is coming from, your anxiety, your loss of control, the feelings of powerlessness. It's because you won't stand and make a wrong decision. It's okay to make a wrong decision. It's not okay not to make a decision. You must choose. So, Josh, thanks for irritating us enough to make us choose, <laughs> my friend. My All right. Listen, let me ask you this, okay? Because you, you hit an important note. And on this show, I am very intentional about not just promoting the money and success of business, but really promoting success at home as well success in your personal life, true success. And I get to coach a lot of men that do seven, eight figures in their business. They're killing it, but they go home miserable and they end up, you know, they're over 40. They end up alone, rich and divorced. Yep. And it's, it's literally a statistic at this point. Like it's an epidemic and, and I think the highest statistic of suicide rate right now is men over 40. Yep. Now, this is a problem. This is a problem. And you said, 
what good is it if you're working all these hours doing what you love, but you're sacrificing the people that you love? Like, what's the point? Well, Speak not to only us that, about that. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a great example of that is it, who was one of the naughtiest kids in school, right? Whether girl or boy. What did their parents do? And every time I ask that question, the audience gets it right. And they always say PKs, preacher kids. And you think, well, why? Same reason. Same reason the 40-year-olds are, are committing suicide. And I'll tie this in for real. These, these preacher kids reject God, not because of God, but because of the parents. And the parents were saying, stay here, Sally. Mom and dad got to go to board meetings. Stay here, Sally. Mom and dad got to go to the hospital and pray. Stay here, Sally. Mom and dad got, you know, whatever church duty is next. Well, if you look at the opposite of that, some of the best behaved children with multi-generational families doing the exact same thing back to the 1500s are missionary families. Same message, different modality. Missionary families say, come on, Sally, we got to go pray. Come on, Sally, we got to go help the homeless. Come on. And they get them involved. And I did a marriage panel once at a Christian event up in Dallas. And there were eight couples on the Diaz. And I didn't know them from Adam. But we're doing this, this 1,500 audience members, and they're asking questions about marriage. And I'm, I'm noticing that we're all answering fairly similar. And I just stopped the entire thing. And I said, hey, what do you two do? And, oh, we own a restaurant together. Cool. What do you two do? Oh, we own a, a ministry publishing ministry books. Okay, cool. Eight out of eight couples were entrepreneurs. What happens today, even in business, is he has her career, she has her career, even if they own separate businesses, and they're not doing it together. We are suffering with a 50% plus divorce rate, a 30 plus percent divorce rate on 30 and unders. And it's not that it improved. It's just that they're not even bothering getting married. Yet, if you look at the statistics of a husband and wife who actually build this empire in business together, it's less than one. But if you go to business school, it still teaches you to do these things separately. Build your life and you know, support them somehow with those 39 minutes you spend together at night. But the Bible, it, the Bible says your spouse and your family are your helpmeet, your inheritance, your arrows in your quiver. Why are we leaving them behind? Why are we leaving them behind? It, I, I, I tell companies all the time, let's say Ford calls me up and says, hey, we're going to send you a first place air, airline or a first class airline ticket. We want you to speak to our dealers. I say, nope, two, because if my wife don't go, I don't either. And I'm serious. I'm dead serious. I do not travel without her because what's the point? I can make money doing anything. Once you figure out how business works, you can make money doing anything. There's a video of me on YouTube taking these dudes out on the street saying, leave your phone and wallet in the car, pretend we have nothing and make sure by tonight we're not homeless. And by lunch, we made 40 grand. The money's the easy part. It's the mental and the heart issues that are the hard part. So that's where the journey really is. And if you take the people who God gave with you, there's a reason he gave them to you. Just saying. This is powerful. This is powerful. So, Josh, do you take your kids to the dealership talk as well? I do. I absolutely do. So it has to be age appropriate, right? But my son was one years old and he was already on stage with me. One year old. They already know what daddy does. If, if we have to leave him with a nanny in the hotel, because they can't go everywhere. They're still little. But yeah, they do. They do travel with me. And if they can't, they know what I'm doing. 
and they send us messages. Hey, guys, help people today. Help people. That's all they know we do is help people. <laughs> help people today. But they're involved. And the, only, the other thing to that is they're doing it too. I teach entrepreneurship as the default basis for all education in our home. Teach math, base it on entrepreneurship. Teaching civics, base it on entrepreneurship. There's a reason why in the start of the United States, even people who looked like you and I couldn't vote. See, there's this idea, well, only white men got to vote. Nope, white men didn't get to vote either. Only landowners and business owners got to vote. Because there was an element of understanding, what are you even voting for? So I base every element of education of my kids off of entrepreneurship. All right, Startup Nation, we could keep talking with Josh here because this guy's just like unpeeling stinky onions all over our lives. I mean, this is ridiculous. All right, the stank is, I'm starting to choke up a little here. All right, Josh, you know, man, what's the most important thing we need to hear from you today? What is it? Um, The most important thing, I think, based on the conversation we've had so far, is God did not create junk. He did not create an accident. The only thing that is keeping you from whatever he had planned from you was the program of belief that you're operating on. It's an operating system, just like a computer. That's it. That's literally it. Look at Jeff Bezos. This dude is short, fat, his eye twitches. He can't laugh. I mean, this guy is literally the picture of, uh, he's going to be broke. He is. And so is Bill Gates. Look at every successful person, you know, And don't compare your strengths to their weakness or vice versa, right? What we tend to do is we tend to take their strengths and compare them to our weaknesses. By default, that's going to give you the greatest gap, period. Instead, look at their weaknesses compared to your strengths. And all of a sudden, you're going to start realizing, wait a second, I'm taller than Bezos, smarter than Bezos, funnier than Bezos, more attractive than Bezos. Why is he beating me? And just go down the list of everybody who you think is beating you. And you're going to quickly realize you believed a lie. You believed a lie. In the Bible, the devil only has one trick. And that trick is to take a word and convince you it's a different word. Literally, that's it. In the garden, you know, God says, do not eat this so you shall or, or you shall surely die. The devil says, oh, he didn't really mean you'll surely die. Jesus on the temple mount. Oh, Jesus, the Bible doesn't actually say that. Lest you dash your foot upon a rock, you know, his angels will. Like, that's his only trick. So you have to start asking yourself, if you know in your heart, you would do good things for your family with success, good things for the community, then who is actually trying to stop you from doing that? God? It's the same thing with greed, dude. It is the same thing. There are so many business owners out there going, well, I only need to make 200 grand a year. That is selfish. That is absolutely stinking selfish. Let me take you to the children's hospital. Introduce you to little Sally Sundress who needs a $300,000 operation. You look that little girl in the eye and go, ah, sweetie, I got mine. Peace. You should be saying just like if you saw Hacksaw Ridge where that dude is saving people and he's like, send me another one. God should drop $7 billion in your lap and you should scream out to God, it's not enough, send me more. Because $7 billion wouldn't even fix the east side of Houston. But the devil has convinced you 
that if you get more money, you're greedy. Why? And you can prove it to yourself. Find any group of people, your employees, your coworkers, whatever. Ask them, hey, if you got a 10% raise, what would you do with this money? Buy new rims for the truck, buy tickets to the game, get a big screen TV. Okay. Let two weeks go by. Say, hey, I saw that Powerball jackpot thing. It was 400 million bucks. If you won 400 million bucks, what would you do with it? I'd buy a, a nurse for my mom so she wouldn't have to go in a home. I'd do a homeless shelter for the kids. I'd do, wait a second. So everybody on planet Earth knows that if you have more than enough, you focus on other people. So who's the one keeping you from thinking that, that you shouldn't have more than enough? You've convinced yourself you're going to be greedy. I mean, for goodness sakes, Al Capone started the first veterans. Uh, I'm serious. He started the first um, shoe exchange for veterans. He started the first homeless in Chicago for veterans. That's Al Capone. How much better than Al Capone are you? Josh, I got to tell you, those last five minutes did motivate us. So there you go. You changed your approach, you brother. You inspired us. All right. We're speaking with Josh Tully. You can find him at joshtully.com. If you want more of this guy, if you want some more truth and you want to get punched in the throat continuously by him, like go to joshtully.com. <laughs> <laughs> but you never heard that before, Josh. All right. So, Josh, welcome to the Hustle Round, my favorite part of the show. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. Just just for fun. It's like a game show. Are you ready, sir? Okay. All yeah, right. go what, for it. What's your favorite thing about being the chairman of your own businesses? Watching other people's lives change. Mm, for the better. Amen. What's yeah. your least favorite thing? Um, having to deal with all the headaches from taking the hits so everybody else's life can change. Yeah. The target's on your back, right? Oh, 24-7. I get it. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of the human condition. What are you currently challenged with or struggling with right now, either professionally or personally? Um, to be really honest, and this can be a little revealing, but uh, I really was illiterate and I never went on to school. And now that I have kids who are starting to learn, I'm feeling inadequate. Oddly, oddly enough, I really am. Like, it's like, wow, I, I didn't didn't learn any of this so that's just something i'm i'm dealing with this like wow i'm i'm not educated in the you know sure academic classical sense yeah what are you most afraid of um not meeting the reason why god created me and having to say sorry <laughs> what did you spend way too much time doing your first year in business um trying to sell market and run the business as opposed to understand and and talk to people and realize the business itself was the business. What secret fear do you have about people? Um, I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> Startup Nation, God don't take a... it personally. He's talking about me. <laughs> no, I, it's, it, it's true, though. I, I love people. I just don't like people. I'm an introvert of introverts. If, if I could do anything in life, I would live in a mountain cabin all by myself, maybe wife and kids, of course, but I would just write sci-fi novels. I wouldn't do any of this. And God, in a weird, twisted sense of whatever, has me speaking to people every day of my life. But yeah, I, I just. Yeah. God's keeping you from being selfish. Look at that. Yep. What do you wish you had learned sooner in business? 
Um, that forgiveness is a huge element of success and taking the blame, even when it's not your fault is a huge element to success as a leader. Tell us really quickly why forgiveness is a huge element of success. Because everybody's going to wrong you. And if you don't forgive them, you're going to miss the golden nugget that they brought to the table. God does not make trash. If I take a dollar bill, throw it in the mud, still worth a buck. So if God brought somebody into my life and that dollar bill got into the mud and I throw them out and don't forgive them, I miss why they were there. Amen to that. What's a new habit you're going to create uh, this year? (laughs) Uh, a, A new set of practices. Um, I hate habits. Oh, I hate habits. Um, James clear, hold your ears, James clear, atomic (laughs) habits, hold your ears. There's a reason there, but anyway, um, I think, uh, spending more time listening and less time assuming. Yeah. Fair enough. What's a bad habit you're going to break? Oh gosh. Burger King. I thought you were going to say Piggly Wiggly. No. All right. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Um, hammer, <laughs> loving, and determined. Nice hammer. I like it. Pick three words to describe who you were your first year in business. Oh, geez. Shy, gooey, afraid. Startup Nation, stop being gooey. (laughs) That's great. And last question, Josh, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends, your wife, your kids in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about true success in life, what would you say to them? God doesn't lie. God doesn't lie. God doesn't lie, Startup Nation. All right, Josh, this is the part of the show where you get to give my audience, Startup Nation, a homework assignment for this week. What is one action that they must take uh, if they're going to choose the life that they actually want? Um, Erase the entire slate and ask yourself if you could have any life that you've ever wanted, what would it be? Give it an actual description and then reassess will what you do now, even if you're 100% successful, get you there. Nine out of 10 entrepreneurs, the answer is no. They can be 100% successful in the business they're in and still not get the life that they're trying to achieve. So they're never going to be happy. Mm, that's so powerful. What was it for you, if you don't mind me asking? What, what was what? The, the what wrong did the life, or? the life that you wanted, what did it look like and did you get it? Um, I hope not. I hope it's always evolving. Uh, I have a, without getting too long into it, I have a whole thing on this and I call it your C. What is your C? But your C should constantly move and change. You know, I mean, once, once Jonah could walk, he still had to go to Nineveh. Did he want to go? No. You know, there's, there's this element of just keep going. My C now is I want a net worth of $5 billion, not for myself, but so I can punch George Soros in the nose. This, this dude with his $5 billion is seemingly getting his fingers into every area of our life and making it worse. Mm-hmm. So I want to show up with $5 billion. And I've already told my staff the day I hit the $5 billion net worth, we're renting a blimp, putting it over his house and said, see ya, I'm here. Fill it with pee and pee in his cereal. <laughs> But, but really, it's, 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 it's now become more, of a, more of about what sort of impact you can have. And I, I think that's when you know you're on the right, 
the right path. Like when I was thinking about coming on your, your show, which was great by the way, dude. But when I was thinking about it I'm thinking, I don't even remember when I made my first hundred thousand. And I honest to God don't because I ran past it. I wasn't focused on it. I went right past it. And they were like, Oh yeah, I guess I did. And it was, it was, I, I did the same thing at a million. I remember the day I was already married, but I remember the day that I made a million dollars profit take home in one day. And it literally was a, it, it dinged on the phone that it arrived. And I was like, Oh, cool. And no joke. There wasn't a helicopter in champagne. Me and my wife <laughs> went to Burger King with some friends and we went home and played with the kids. Like that, that was literally it because the money isn't the focus. It's what are we doing? Yeah. I'm finally in that season of my life where I land the new Hallelujah. client, right? They do the wire transfer. It's a larger amount hits the account. And I'm just like, Oh honey, guess what? Yeah. Yeah. They paid. And so what do you want to do today? You know, it's just like, man, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, like I was drooling over that result happening or not happening. And if it didn't happen, I was just condemning myself, what I did wrong, right? It was just like so emotionally charged. And now the, uh, there's no emotion around the money anymore. And that's why I'm making more of it. That's exactly it. Don't focus on it. You will hit what you focus on. It's baseball, shooting, whatever, take it, whatever analogy. Uh, I, I ride motorcycles. There's a thing called obstacle avoidance, right? When you have a new rider and there's a stick in the road, he will look at that stick and try to avoid it and hit the stick. <laughs> like It's just, it's stupid, but it's true. So yeah, once, once it no longer becomes the focus, it's amazing how easier it is to make money. I tell people all the time, it is way easier to make a million bucks than a hundred thousand. It really is. <laughs> it really is. All right. We've been speaking with Josh Tully. Um, you know, Startup Nation, if you enjoyed this show, this episode with Josh and like your throat is sore from all the punches he gave you, but you know it's true <laughs> and you're just like, man, this guy fired me up. Would you go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or go to first100k.com right now, first100k.com right now, and write a five-star review about this episode with Josh? Tell us what you liked about it. Tell us the before and after. Like before the episode, I thought this. After the episode and all the punches and bruises on my neck, now I think this and believe this. Like go write that review. And if you do, I'll give you a shout out live on the show if I really like what you wrote. Just as I'm about to do for uh, handle MM920-2200. That's an interesting handle name. Okay. And they wrote, it's kind of long, so stay with me here. Entrepreneurs need uh, your first 100K podcast. And Joseph Warren show so rarely do podcasts on entrepreneurship focus on others instead of the entrepreneur herself or himself. But of course, it makes sense to focus on others. Those others are your clients, your customers. Joseph and his guests get this. That's what Josh has been talking about this whole time. And I love how often the focus is on helping others and giving back because really that's the great power that comes from the wealth he's helping business owners and leaders build. This is a must-subscribe podcast and one that calms me down and strengthens me when I'm sensing my anxiety about business matters rising. You're not alone. Lean into this show and to the great messages from Joseph and his guests, guests like Josh Tully. So 
thank you so much uh, for that five-star review. Startup Nation, go write yours as well so that I can uh, give you a shout-out live on the show across the world here. Josh Tully, where does Startup Nation go to find out more about you or get more punches to their throat that actually <laughs> move them forward in their life? What do you got for them? Well, if they want to now, uh, they can go to joshtully.com. That's fine. Uh, they can go to tullyandcompany.com. Look me up on Google or Amazon or Stitcher, whatever. Just put it in. It'll it'll find me somehow. All right. Startup Nation, Tully is spelled T-O-L-L-E-Y, Josh tully.com josh thank you for being on your first 100k i wish you god's love peace and joy in your life sir thank you yeah i hope this show continues to grow and be blessed have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked have you tried therapy have you tried coaching have you tried counseling christian counseling nothing's worked for you for your spouse you just want better communication When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on of bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently, like be done with the addiction be done with the medications, be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids, we lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.